What does it mean to live with less stuff and more compassion? That's the question we aim to answer every week on the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. Hello, hello. My name is Michael O'Fay and I'm joined by my wife and co-host, Marsha O'Fay, every week to discuss the intersection of minimalism and veganism, in addition to weekly articles and recipes, all of which you can find on theminimalistvegan.com. In this episode, we get into the nitty-gritty of how to transition to a vegan lifestyle. And it was so much content that we had to break this up into two episodes. So uh, this is going to be part one of the series, and then next week we're going to publish part two, and we're going to cover a whole range of topics for everybody. Like, basically, what we're trying to do here is we're thinking about if we were to become vegan today, you know, how would we go about doing it? What are all the things that we wish we knew that we know now? about transitioning to a vegan lifestyle. That's what we want to cover for you in this episode. So I hope you enjoy it. And I'll check in after the episode to fill in any gaps. Chat to you soon. Whew, big topic we're covering. Yeah. Well, today's part one, but we've got part two lined up as well. Mm-hmm. And what are we talking about today? Uh, we're talking about how to transition to a vegan lifestyle. Yes. So we're, you know, I think we, this podcast is great because we get to take a step back and philosophize and some things that are on our minds, but sometimes it's good to get into the nitty gritty granular sort of detail of what it means to live a minimalist vegan lifestyle. And then in this episode specifically, it's about the vegan lifestyle. Mm. So it, it actually was inspired by a listener who who thought it would be good to sort of unpack the nuts and bolts of what it's like to actually become vegan mm. because she's transitioning. And the same thing for minimalism. So, great. So, please, like, keep the questions coming in. because and the topic ideas. And the topic ideas because yeah. uh, there's some things that we may have overlooked that we could cover quite mm. easily. Or that we've sort of um, skimmed over yeah. in a particular episode without going into too much detail. And the detail is sometimes what people... Are actually craving, yeah, um, and want more a perspective on. So, yeah, I guess that's what's inspired this podcast episode, and one to follow. But Michael already wrote a blog post about this topic. Yeah, um, quite an in-depth article on how to go vegan. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So, if you prefer to read, you can go and read that. Listen to this, and if you want a little bit more. You know, if you're more of a visual person, Mm -hmm. you can go and reflect on that one as well and take some notes if you're listening to this while you're running or cooking or something. So, there's that resource too. But before we get started into the nitty gritty, I think the important fact is to cover the importance of the mindset of why one actually wants to become vegan because it's easily enough to say, just go vegan but if you don't ask the question why or why you want to go vegan, it's not something that will actually keep you, that will keep the longevity of this lifestyle going for you. And the why is actually what we talk a lot about in our book as well. So you can check that out. Shameless yep. plug. Yeah. <laughs> but there is, and that's why we wrote the book. You know, it, it marries the minimalist and the vegan lifestyles together, but we talk about the why in a lot of detail in there as well. And yeah. we give you the overall picture 
and the environmental picture and it covers quite a few things and it's a short read so it's it's punchy but it's a short read so yep. if you want to dive a little bit deeper as to understanding of the why you can go and check that out too for sure so yeah why do you want to go vegan yeah that's that's the place to start and the the mindset and the why uh, is you know because we've talked about it in previous episodes about why people are no longer vegan. Yes. Uh, so we're really interested in about the sustainability of the movement. There's a lot of things, potential barriers for going vegan, at a social level, at a, a habitual level, at, at so many different things to consider. So I think that you need uh, quite a bit of mental toughness, at least uh, at least in the beginning of your journey, mm. to be able to know stay true to your values and and not break that trust with yourself as much yeah. as you can so and i think it, and i think part of that mindset as a you know like defining your why is i mean that's probably why you're listening to this podcast maybe you have some level of interest in veganism or, or where's that coming from because yeah. you know for some people it's it's for health you know for other people it's for the environment and for many vegans it's about the you know removing the exploitation of animals and depending on your origin story, you know, going back to one of our first couple episodes, that could be a gradual process or could be something that was really sort of impactful, some sort of scenario that was really impactful in your life that made you want to go vegan. So I think the why stuff is really going to come down to making sure you're consuming the right content that's in line, you know, whether that's podcasts, whether that's videos, documentaries, books, but you know, exposing yourself to the reality of the ex- exploitation of the animals as uncomfortable as that is, but I suppose fighting against your willful ignorance, if you like, to making sure you're connected to where your consum- uh, the impact of your consumption habits. So I think that's a really good place to start. On top of that, I think it's about, in, in mindsets, about keeping an open mind yeah. when looking at a vegan lifestyle. So there's open and closed examples, but a closed mind would be, for example, that vegan food doesn't taste good, mm. right? And I think that's all a bit of a doubt or a bit of a concern that we have before we become vegan is I the food won't taste as good. I think not as much anymore. I think it used to be even, you know, three, four years ago, yep. 10 years ago, definitely. But today with social media, particularly Instagram and Pinterest, there's an abundant, like I think it's very evident that vegan food can definitely be really delicious and it is really delicious. Yeah. And even, you know, fast food restaurants and just restaurants in general, cafes, they're all bringing out vegan options because they can see that there's not only a demand for it, but that they can make it taste really good as well. Yes. But I guess if you're stuck in an area where you're very limited to that exposure then yes that's definitely a mindset barrier yeah and also if you you've spent a lifetime consuming animal products mm. that you really enjoy of course it's only it's hard natural, to shift yeah. of course it's only natural for you to have some doubts about how good the food especially is if taste. you don't like vegetables yeah yeah so if you haven't historically eaten vegetables or tofu or beans and things like you know it's it's just Mm -hmm. different so i think but that 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 lifestyle's so foreign to me that i forget that people actually don't enjoy vegetables yeah 
I, I mean, know. if you look at if you look at children, that's a really great example. Like you know, even omnivores, uh, parents struggle to get their children to eat certain foods, mm. right? So even naturally, there's a resistance against sort of whole foods versus mm. processed animal-based products. So again, I think that's also mindset too. But it's mindset yeah. and, and exposure. But you know, it's the mm. processed foods sort of set off some things in your yeah, you know, your taste buds. But I think yeah, so a closed mindset would be that vegan food doesn't taste good. So if you're yeah. telling that to yourself, mm. you're already it's already a losing battle for you, yeah. right? But an open mindset might be, how can I make vegan food taste fantastic? Yeah. Mm. So it's just shifting that statement in your mind from it's going to taste bad to how do I make it taste great? Yeah. Another example is being vegan is inconvenient. Mm. I'm going to inconvenience others. I'm going to inconvenience myself. And again, if you're telling yourself that or that's a genuine fear that you have, that's going to manifest manifest and make it harder for you to transition. Flipping that to saying, how can I put systems in place to make vegan veganism more convenient? So what am I going to put in place to make it very convenient? Yeah. So, yeah, look, it's all about just being optimistic about the lifestyle. Mm. And I think that was really important to in our journey. Our why was so strong but we were going to make it work. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're, we're just going to, you know, we're going to make the food taste good. We're going to make it as convenient as possible. There was a belief that we're going to make it work for our lifestyles. Yeah. And so. I mean, I guess if you do have a closed mindset, you, in many ways, subconsciously, you're justifying, you're giving yourself excuses as to why you can't yes. do it rather than giving yourself permission and, and giving yourself, kind of challenging yourself as to why you can do it. Yes. So a lot of it does come down to personality of how you are in life in general. You know, if you're a can-do person or if you're, oh, I can't, it's too hard person. So I think that even in itself, if you are a I can't do person, make this a challenge for yourself to change that yeah. for moving forward because, yeah. you know, the planet, yourself and the animals will thank you for it in Absolutely. the long term. And then along the way, it it might make you more open to other things, right? Yeah. You know, if you've typically historically been quite fixed, like stuck in your routine, stuck in your way of thinking, and you're really comfortable with what's certain in your life Mm. and not sort of seeking those different experiences, maybe veganism can unlock something else for you as well. Yeah. The other thing that's part of mindset is uh, all about managing your own expectations. Yeah. Uh, and Which is a massive thing. For sure, for mm. sure. We've touched on this a little bit and I think it's probably, it deserves a separate podcast episode because I think you can definitely have a lot of expectations and put a lot of pressure on your consumption habits, having some, some sort of incredible transformation in your health and body. Mm. And uh, while that can happen in some situations, I think it's, it's best to uh, not go into veganism thinking that setting those expectations yeah you're, you're gonna completely yeah transform your body you're gonna turn into a mermaid yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think and you know honestly from our journey when we started this what five years ago a bit over yep. five years ago is documentaries played a massive role in that and Typically, I have found so far that they've been the one and other people that are big in the movement that are advocating for such drastic change in ourselves, more so physically as well as mentally. You know, you get more mental clarity and all that sort of stuff, which I can see how 
is very appealing and I see why they're doing it. They're trying to sell the vegan lifestyle. But at the same time, you're doing a massive disservice if you're setting people up for disappointment. And so if one of their reasons for going vegan is for more of the superficial or more of the health reasons and that doesn't happen for them, they're likely to go back to eating animal products because what they were promised didn't happen. Yeah. And so it can be a massive letdown to someone if they were promised something and that is non-existent for them. And I remember I was, I mean, we were both a bit disappointed with it because neither of us experienced that big of a transformation where we felt like, oh my God, we feel a million times better now than what we did before. Mm. So I think that this is where the vegan messaging is a little bit concerning because it does, it can set people up for failure yeah. to begin with. Yeah, and I think the big, the big part of it is not so much pressure you put on yourself, it's your thoughts and the perception of others on you. Mm. Because when you tell the world that, oh, I'm, I'm going to go vegan. And let's say you've been vegan for a month or two and are asking how it's going, mm. right? You might feel pressure from them. They may not say it even, yeah. but they're thinking, oh, well, you you know, yeah, yeah. I thought a vegan lifestyle is meant to be, you know, uh, incredible. Like, yeah. have you lost weight? Have you done this? Have you done that? So, yeah. so it, it's that stuff that can weigh on your mind. Mm. That actually the internally, yeah, yeah. That, that can put pressure on you because you're trying to represent the vegan movement in the most positive way that you can. Yeah. And if your body is not reflecting some of the promises that's mm. sort of been floated around in the media, mm. then other people might discredit yeah. the vegan movement. Yeah. Right. And that can be quite scary when you're transitioning because, you, you, you know, when you're starting off, you kind of trying to prove everybody wrong yeah <laughs> so and, and you that's a natural feeling you want to show it can work yeah that, yeah that it that it is something that's worthwhile doing yes and if when you're not getting those results or when other people are sort of silently judging you for it it can it can be off-putting and it can also be quite stressful for sure so this adds to the overwhelm unnecessarily yeah and look that there, there is such i mean i think anyone will come in sense of saying that if you eat whole food plants predominantly breakfast lunch and dinner that's probably going to have a positive impact on your health mm. right but i think let let that be a byproduct of your transition mm. and maybe change a narrative to you know you just feeling good about the decision of being vegan yeah right from as a mindful consumer and you know if you get some good physical results fantastic it's yeah. there but don't go in expecting that yeah yeah that's a really good point and i think that that's something that's not talked about enough mm in the vegan movement in particularly with people that have been doing it for a long time. Um, and I mean, I know naturally that when someone asks you about it personally, mm. face to face, you know, what has the vegan diet done for you? Yeah. And you're scratching your head going, well, I mean, I'm saving animals. Isn't that enough? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, like even if you are eating a whole food plant-based diet, it doesn't necessarily mean that, things are good especially if you were eating quite healthy before you became vegan which is in my case so for me like I actually did not really notice any change yeah um and that could be for for health re well it is for me mainly for health reasons and things like that but 
every single person is different. So what works for one person might not work for another. Yep. You know, some people can have soy, some people can't. Some people can pr- digest and process lentils and legumes, other people can't. So I think it's important to note that every single body is different and what works for one person might not work for the other. Yep. And we can't pigeonhole that the whole lifestyle is going to work for every single person eating everything that's on the menu. Yeah. So yeah. So just before we move on, I uh, I wrote an article about the I think the stigma or challenges of being an overweight vegan. I forget the specific name of the title, but we'll be sure to link to that in the show notes. Uh, and it talks a lot about those expectations and changing the narrative in your own mindset as well. And there's a lot of people that have commented on that post yep. connecting with it. So you can see how much pressure mm. it, there is on on people that are overweight to feel like they are doing the right thing for the movement. Yep. Um, so I guess the next thing that we wanted to touch on was talking about um, how to remain sane as a vegan. Mm. You know, that now that we've talked about the expectations and the mind tricks that we can play on ourselves on what to expect from the vegan diet. How do we stay sane when we actually start to lift the veil on the reality of what the animal agriculture actually is? And I know for myself personally, I was very angry and depressed when I first became vegan Yeah, because and this is very common mm. for a lot of people, especially for someone that transitions very quickly, which yeah. we did overnight, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, and even to this day, I actually do have days where I'm, I feel down because, and I do cry at times too, because I just feel like when you're in your vegan bubble, you tend to kind of protect yourself in that way and you think that there's so much progress and the movement, I mean, it's definitely growing, but when you're comparing it to how many people consume animal products still, it's just literally just a a smidgen of that. Yeah. So it kind of puts things into perspective and it can end up, spiraling if if you're the type it can end up spiraling into a deep depression Mm. and you know i think there's more and more vegans that are probably seeking counseling because of that because they just they can't process the astounding numbers of animals being slaughtered for human consumption for sure um i mean our our friend claire mann is a clinical psychologist who focuses on helping vegans for this very reason. Yeah. She shifted her whole practice to help vegans because of, you know, what she likes to call this dystopia, mm. this, this kind of despair, mm. this dystopian world that we live in once we, you know, realize what's really happening. Uh, this, this sort of mass, this mass exploitation and slaughter and murder that's happening. It can be really overwhelming. So, um, you know, she wrote a book about it and, and div- changed her whole practice to support people who are struggling with mental health, particularly mm. if you already have mental health issues before you become vegan. Yeah. You know, that could really trigger some some dark things. So yeah. um, I think you need to have a bit of self-awareness about how, how that can impact you because some people respond very differently. It's like, you know, we spoke about this in the last couple of newsletters we sent out about detachment. 
Mm. It's like you need a strong why to be vegan. So you kind of, as you said, go into that bubble and, and understand what's going on and kind of have that passion and energy and frustration to, to be headstrong enough to be vegan. But then sometimes you actually need to go the other way and completely detach yourself and numb yourself to be able to just sort of deal with what's going on. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a bit of a balance between the two. Mm. I mean, because I know personally I get triggered by images or by things that I even see. Yep. Um, and I can I can cry very easily on things, and I feel like I've actually become much more emotional since becoming vegan. Mm. As every year goes past, I feel like I've become even more emotional. But yeah. I you actually... were you were particularly quite fiery mm. when we became vegan. Yeah, like the first couple of months, you you were pretty, you were pretty uh, not aggressive. But let's just okay, call yeah, it what okay, it is. Were... <laughs> I was aggressive. Marshall's probably <laughs> like, um, you know, you know, we will link to the episode we talked about preachy vegans, but uh, you know, you weren't preachy. I think it you're was just because really, really passionate. But like what happened? I'm curious to see like what happened from that huge passion and that sort of like, oh, my God, everyone's just can you how can you not see it this way to mellowing out and sort of practicing that detachment? What happened? Well, I, I guess the aggressive side came out with close family and friends, particularly family, because let's be honest, you can be yourself yeah. around your family the most. I can be anyways. And so when I connected the dots and especially because most, well, my parents mainly are vegetarian, my dad's vegetarian. Um, I just didn't understand why just vegetarian. You know, Michael wrote a, a post last week about this, the week before. Yeah. It's been, time flies, <laughs> um, about a letter from a vegan to a vegetarian talking about, you know, the difference between those two diets and lifestyles and and sort of saying you're almost there and it's it almost feels like you're a bit more frustrated at the vegetarians than you are at the meat eaters because they know a lot more than than probably you know they've connected the dots that's why they're not consuming meat and so it's like you just need a little bit more <laughs> of a push yeah. To get into that. But I think for me, back to your actual question, I think I just realized that I can't be this person all the time. Yeah. I can't be this cranky woman that's constantly telling people off and trying to protest in a not so supportive and kind way, you know. Yeah. And what I realized was, well, if I'm here to be kind to animals, I've got to be kind to humans as well. Yeah. And I'm not setting a very good example of, again, what the vegan lifestyle is. Yeah. So that's when I started to realize I can't keep doing this for myself and for them yeah. and for the animals. Yeah, because it's emotionally exhausting. It is. Yeah. So you kind of learn to, to back off a little bit and just... You still have moments where you kind of, you <laughs> yeah. know, you take jabs or you say some things that just make you feel, especially when they talk about the environment, but they still eat meat. You want to say something. Yeah. Otherwise, I, you just kind of, you do you do what you can through your own actions rather than yeah. having to be a keyboard warrior or someone that's just yeah. not pleasant to be around anymore. Yeah. That's a good point. And I think as part of this mindset piece it's you know it's expect that you will mellow 
mellow out after a period of time if, if you're that type of passionate individual and um and and i think it's also really important to go in and out of your vegan bubble quite often mm. you know um don't stay connected yeah, to yeah don't sabotage reality. all your relationships and um and 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 st- go into the supermarket and see what people are doing and like it can be frustrating but i, I think it's important to maintain that level of empathy because you know just because people are consuming animal products it doesn't mean they're bad people mm. i mean i mean i spent 26 years of my life consuming animal products exactly so, so and this like, is the thing yeah, this reminder of saying which i think i remember um earthling ed said you know like mm. i was once a meat eater and that's how he actually manages to stay relevant to the people that he's talking to yeah because he can connect on that level and say, I was once like you are now. Yeah. Um, and I totally understand and I totally agree. Most people weren't born vegan, so they do have some form of connection to that world before, you know, that they can go, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. And and I think of that also helped open up my eyes and go, okay, like I wouldn't have been very receptive to someone if they were yelling at me saying you need to go vegan for the animals. For sure. So I think it's just reminding ourselves of those things. I, I, I think reflection's key here. It, it sounds counterintuitive, but stay close to the person, your actions and behaviours before you became vegan. Just remember everything mm. you consumed. Mm. And you were once that person. Yeah, okay. exactly. Um, I mean, look, we can talk about each point for yes. hours but i yeah. think that we don't go over too too long um so from there i guess we want to transition into talking about the three different approaches to going vegan that mm-hmm. we've found tends to cover most people yeah because i think when we started talking to more and more vegans uh learning why they became vegan how they became vegan we realized that it became very clear that there's three different methods and there's no right or wrong way, but I think it's just understanding what your personality is and maybe picking one of these approaches are going to best suit to make it um, your transition as easy as possible. So I'm just going to run through them very quickly now. But the first approach is to just become vegan straight away. As you probably already know, this is how we became vegan. We became vegan overnight mm-hmm. uh, after watching a documentary called Earthlings. And uh, this is a really good approach for people who have like an all or nothing kind of a mentality. So they don't mind taking risk and they kind of need to commit wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, otherwise, if they sort of double in, they... We'll, we'll stay in that transition stay in that mode. Transition, yeah. yeah. So if you're the type of person that just needs to commit or doesn't, then becoming vegan instantly might be the way to go. Here are some things to just keep in mind if you take this approach, though. You will probably shock friends and family. So if you haven't gone from like omnivore to vegetarian to pescatarian to vegan and, you know, gradually done that and you've just like someone like me who was eating a chicken kebab at two o'clock in the afternoon and by 7 p.m., 8 p.m., I was vegan, mm. right? So that your friends and family, one, will be like, okay, that's weird. Where did that come from? Mm. And how long will it last? Mm. Because you have shown no signs of this in the in the past. So be prepared for that. Oh, this is just a phase. Yeah, be prepared for that outside sort of pressure. 
uh, which will then create more expectations for yourself, coming back to the mindset part. And arguably, it's not actually, well, it's not that healthy for your body. Um, and this is not a fact, I'm not a medical uh, professional or anything, but you know, common sense tells me that you, know, you go from eating a particular way, your body gets used to it, and then you change your diet quite drastically quickly. I'm sure you, how you process the food and digest it might be a bit different. So just watch out for that as well um, if you do it. Now, I didn't have any problems. I don't think you did. Um, but it's just something to keep in so mind. So you might be going through a little bit of a, let's call it a detox phase. Yeah. So don't expect to feel amazing straight away if that's kind of, if you're going down the whole foods plant-based area you'll yeah. definitely gain a lot more energy because animal foods can be quite taxing on the body in terms of digestion and all that sort of stuff yeah so just yeah keep that in mind yeah but you you don't if if you are eating more of what you've already eaten that's just not animal products that's one thing but if you're introducing completely new foods that you haven't eaten before like you don't it's just going to be different to how your body responds to that. Yeah. That's all. Um, the second approach is to go vegan gradually. So this is about meal by meal, introducing more plants into your diet to eventually you get to a point where you sort of crowd out the animal products or mm. the, the meat, dairy and, and, and eggs out of your diet. And this is a really good approach for, for you if you're more patient and you need more time. You don't like to rush things and just jump into things like that. And this can work really well. I think the challenge with going vegan gradually is that you can get stuck in the transition phase for an eternity, right? So you're like, you, and, and, then, and then we talked about identity in a previous episode, which we'll link to as well, but you, you kind of don't own the vegan identity. You, you're in this limbo transition. So it's just like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm aspiring vegan, or I'm trying to be vegan. I'm trying to ve be vegan in 2016. I'm trying to be vegan in 2017. Oh, and I'm trying to be vegan. And it just keeps on going, keeps on going, keeps on going, right? Um, so that's one thing to be mindful of. So if you think that you might get stuck in transitioning forever, I think it's important for you to set some milestones and goals for when you're going to get rid of meat, when you're going to get rid of fish, when you're going to get rid of eggs from your diet and then cheese and then milk honey and honey like you just sort of set yourself some milestones so you can gradually do it but you've got a bit of a deadline to motivate you as well mm -hmm. and then the third approach is to do a vegan challenge and this is probably my favorite approach um and if i was doing it again although no i'm an all or nothing person so i'll probably do what i did before but i think a vegan challenge is basically uh going vegan for a set period of time so this could be for seven days 30 days um, a couple months, whatever it is. And you can do this challenge like online in the community. We've, we've got some links to some resources in the show notes like Veganuary, uh, which is, you know, in January every year, it's a, it's a global challenge for everybody to go vegan and participate in the challenge. And they do it throughout the rest of the year as well. There's also another challenge called the Seven Day Vegan Challenge, which we'll link to as well. Or you can just do the challenge by yourself at any given time just to see if you can do it. And, um, you know, this is the best of both worlds because you can transition really quickly because the challenge starts on a particular date and it has inbuilt goals and milestones. So, and the good thing is you can get to the end of the period 
because it's a focused amount of attention and you've proved to yourself that you can be vegan. And you get that extra bit of support. Yeah. You know, and motivation to keep going because there's other people doing the same thing as you are. And there's a sense of accomplishment. Yeah. It's like, ah, I've been vegan for 30 days. All right, let's keep it going. And then see if you can re-sign your membership of veganism. Just keep going from there. So um, those are the three different approaches. Just to recap again, going vegan straight away, becoming vegan gradually, and then doing a vegan challenge. And uh, they've all got, you know, some different pros and cons depending on your personality type. And that's what you did, I guess, with the OMAD. Yes, that's right. So when I did OMAD, I set myself, I I wanted to do one meal, eat one meal a day for 30 days. Mm. And then I ended up going for three months. So that was a, a really good way for me to see if I could do it. Yeah. So next we want to touch on how to actually prepare vegan meals. And that's obviously one of the main parts of veganism and transitioning to a vegan diet is cooking, giving yourself the best opportunity that you don't get hangry all the time <laughs> yeah, because you don't want that um, and feeling good about it. So we talked about the challenges of vegan cooking at home in episode 28. So we'll link to that in the show notes or you can just scroll back. Um, and have a listen to that one. But we've got a few different steps that we wanted to outline with you on how to to transition and what I guess we did as well. Yes. So step one would be to clear your pantry and fridge. Remove as many temptations as you possibly can Mm -hmm. um, so that you don't actually feel like you will, in that moment of weakness, reach for that milk chocolate bar in the fridge or the eggs for breakfast because it's just quick and easy to to put together or the ham and cheese sandwich for lunch the next day at work. Um, so just remove anything and give away really to anyone that you know that still eats meat, dairy and eggs so that you're not actually wasting that food. Um, but that's if you're like us and you are going cold turkey straight away. If you're transitioning and you feel comfortable eating those foods, then finish those off in in your time. Yes. And then if you're uh, sharing a fridge and pantry with non-vegans, and I was reflecting on this, we were living... With your uh, mom? With my mom at the time. Mm. So when we but at the time we were pretty diligent in sort of preparing and making our own food within the house structure so we were basically able to give all of our animal products to we the rest of the family some, yeah so we asked your mum what she wanted cuz yes. she doesn't eat everything yep um and then the rest we gave to my family there you go yeah um and then we just sort of yeah we just changed our little part in the pantry in the fridge yeah yeah and so once you've done that i think it's a good idea to go and do uh, a basic shop yep and just really think oh well before you go really think about what you can what you can make and maybe even meals that you're already eating that are vegan that you can rely on just to get you started yes um, so just keep things really simple at the beginning so you don't feel overwhelmed and feel like sitting there and crying, not knowing what to do because that can happen. <laughs> yes. And I think with the, like with the shopping, I don't know, like, you know, because I've been with you for such a long time, I've been exposed to, uh, like some pretty savvy grocery shopping from yourself. Like, you know, like, you know, the cost of cashews across the whole town. Not really, don't exaggerate. Well, <laughs> you know, like you, you have a really good idea of the price and Basics, where to buy yeah. things. And, and I think you, you enjoy 
like buying fruit, veg and, and things that you need for the house. But if you're not someone that particularly enjoys this process, mm. um, I think it's important not to go from like omnivore to uh, like certified organic whole foods specialist in a day. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, go to your comfort zone. If you shop in the supermarket, see what you can work with in that environment and keep it really simple with your ingredients and, and your basics and things like that as well. And that's going to tie into, I suppose, the type of meals that you're going to be able to prepare initially. Yeah. And I think it's important to keep your meal rotation quite tight so that you feel like you have your go-to meals that are quick and easy to make and that you can rely on. Yes. Uh, and that just make you feel good. Yes. So whatever that is, if it's, you know, beans and rice with some salad or if it's some wraps and that's what we actually survived on for the first two weeks. We just rotated different wraps yeah. with different um, fillings and things like that. Um, and I'll link to a few recipes in the show notes that I was thinking previously um, about in terms of what we have on our website at the moment, but a few of them would probably be something like cabbage pasta, which is just three oh, ingredients. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so easy. And it's so delicious. Yeah. It might sound weird, but it's actually it's, really oh, good. It's so good. And it's uh, like, it's actually ridiculous how simple that is. Yeah. Anyway, it just, anyway. um, and it's really, what are the three ingredients? Really, really cheap. Cabbage? Cabbage, oil, and uh, pasta. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. I mean, salt as well, but yeah. yeah. If you use salt. Um, tofu scramble could be a really good one because mm. you can have that for breakfast, lunch or dinner. Mm-hmm. And that's a really delicious, easy to make recipe. And there's so many ways that you can make it as well. Yeah, that's it Michael's with, um, recipe. Have it with rice, have it with toast, you know, yeah. uh, with a salad. You could, yeah, it's very flexible. Yeah. Have it as a sandwich. Like yes. There's many different ways. In a wrap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Buddha bowls as well. That's actually my most popular recipe is the, I have um, three ways of making Buddha bowls on our website. Yeah. So some of them are a little bit more sophisticated than others, but it gives you a breakdown of how to go about it and what kind of ingredients you can use and then you can really pair anything yeah, together. Yeah, it's interchangeable. Yeah. You can change out your grains, your protein, your your veggies, your salad, your sauces. And it's, yeah, it's it becomes a foundation for you to get creative with what you want to do with it. And, I, and if I can just say, like with the wraps for the first two weeks, what we did is we ensured that we had a lot of ingredients for the wraps. Yeah. Like kind of... It, you know, like think about what you would normally get for one meal and like times it by five. We got so much of it because the risk is if if you turn to your fridge or pantry and you don't have the ingredients that you need to make a nice vegan meal, that that's probably when you're going to be up against some barriers and, and that's when you might have a relapse back to, you know, eating Mm. Um, what you what you what you've known to cook for your whole lifetime up until this point, or yeah. what you've known to consume yeah. uh, up until this point. So I think it's just making sure you have enough ingredients in your house at all time. You know, at the very minimum, you know you're going to be able to make like a cabbage pasta or a wrap or whatever it is. Yeah, and then if you're into like comfort foods, you could do like a baked vegan mac and cheese, or you could do a creamy um, cauliflower bake 
you know, things like that or yep. just roast veggies. As I said, I'll link to a few of these recipes in the show notes so that you, you can have a look at them. Um, but then step three would be to then start expanding your rotation. Mm-hmm. So once you get comfortable with those or maybe sick of those <laughs> two, three recipes <laughs> yeah. that you're making on rotation all the time. And I mean, that's probably more so for like lunch and dinner. For breakfast, you can have oats. You can have like it's breakfast is pretty easy. You can have jam on toast. You can do just like a veggie stack avocado you know avocado on toast it's i did smoothies for how long yeah I had a smoothie smoothies for are a great way ages. to get yeah. a decent amount of nutrients in yeah. to get your day started um but don't try recipes just for the sake of trying different recipes if you will if you're the type of person that's already strapped for time or that can overwhelm themselves quite easily so just keep that in mind. So try different things, but again, try and keep it relatively simple so that you can then build on that simplicity and add yes. things to it as you grow with confidence. Yeah, because the goal is just to add meals to your rotation. Yeah. Like you got one meal, okay? Now you got two, three. Like it's just mm. locking these things down uh, because that's going to be the foundation. And, and you know, there's going to be ways for you to experience eating vegan food out as well mm-hmm. uh that's probably going to come in part two of this conversation yeah just just in case you're wondering uh but this is really focused about getting the, the fundamentals right at home yeah yeah and then the last thing in terms of preparing meals is label reading that's something that yep. you'll definitely have to start doing and i mean i was a label reader before i became vegan so it wasn't really that much of a transition it just now I had to read every single label and also pick up different things. But obviously mm-hmm. this becomes easier as you go along. So you'll get the obvious ones, you know, uh, ingredients that you'll know that are definitely not vegan. But you'll also come across ones that might have multiple names that you're not sure if they are vegan. There's a great website online that we'll link to in the show notes where you can actually go through and see if, you know, if you're buying products that have uh, different additives and numbers and things of that nature or using uh, words that you've never heard of before, Uh you can actually that way find out if it was vegan or not. So, for instance, when I used to work in a bulk store, we had a whole range of chocolates um, that had number 904 in it, which was a glaze. And that's actually made from insects. And right. only because I checked, did we acknowledge the fact that it, those chocolates weren't vegan. And a lot of the producers then ended up switching those over to vegan-friendly glazes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But if you're just looking at it and you see that the glaze is number 904, you'd think that's totally fine. Mm. And I, actually a few times when people came to the register and I knew that they were vegan or they were buying everything else that were vegan or it came up in conversation. I think there was two or three separate occasions where I just said, you're aware, are you aware that this actual chocolate is not vegan friendly? And they're like, oh, thank you so much for telling me because they wouldn't have Mm. realized otherwise. 
Um, I mean, you can't ever be sure because they might be buying the chocolate for someone else. But in most cases, if you're buying chocolate in bulk, in a bulk store, you're buying it for yourself. So um, that's something to keep an eye out for. And I learned it from this website. So we'll make sure to, to, to um, link to that in the show notes. Another thing which is a massive debate and a lot of people ask us and in Facebook groups that we're a part of is this confusion around uh, the label that will say may contain traces of whatever it is. It might say milk or eggs or cheese or some type of allergen typically or it might just say may contain milk, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. So... In those situations, um, they say that to for insurance purposes pretty much to cover themselves because they don't have a factory that they own or they make vegan and non-vegan products. So some of their other products may contain dairy, eggs or meat, for instance. Mm-hmm. So they just say that in case that there's cross-contamination at some point, if they didn't clean the machines out really well, that sort of thing just to cover themselves. So it, the product itself does not actually contain mm-hmm. the milk, eggs, chicken, whatever, mm-hmm. but it might contain traces of. So again, it's for people that have strong allergies or that are lactose intolerant. They might want to stay away from that. But for most vegans, they actually find that okay because yep. they're not supporting the animal industry and they're not directly eating yeah. Um, those products. Yeah. And, and I think this is really important thing to make your uh, friends and family aware of as well. If you get invited over for dinner or something and they're wondering, oh, I just didn't know if I could buy this yeah. as an ingredient because it said may contain. Yeah. It's really confusing. So um, it can be. Yeah. yeah. You can educate them as well. And you can, you can know that, yes, you can eat that piece of chocolate that says may contain traces of yes. um, milk. Yes. So the next thing that we wanted to talk about was balancing health and and the comfort in veganism and yes. how we look at that as an overall lifestyle choice because you can definitely be 100% whole food plant-based or you can definitely be 100% junk food vegan. Mm. So really, I think it the choice is yours, but I think a good balance of both for a sustained less stress sort of lifestyle, um, obviously predominantly whole foods, but if you do a balance, you know, 80 to 70% to 30, 20% of junk, then that way you don't feel like you're missing out and that sometimes you can still indulge a little bit. Yeah, because I think if I think about this and I think about like the way a lot of us eat before we become vegan, it may not be particularly healthy. Yes. Right? So if you're not already eating a lot of whole food plants and what are you eating well you if you're eating a lot of meat and then as a main component of the meal and then that's supported by some vegetables occasionally or using a lot of sauces and things like that um, toasties and chips and deep fried things then um, to make your transition easier there's more often than not going to be some vegan friendly versions of those type of foods Mm. right so and and that might be a staple for you if that's the way you've already been eating yeah right to make the transition as easy as possible and uh, it may be unrealistic to think that you're going to go from 
eating some of these processed foods quite consistently in a non-vegan diet to then not eating the equivalents on a vegan diet. Yes. So you want to give yourself some leeway there. But at the same time, of course, we want to make sure that, you know, eventually being vegan is a great opportunity to reflect on your eating habits. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a really, it's a great time to sort of take a time out and go, well, cool, I could continue eating this way or I could start to incorporate more Mm. whole food plants. Mm. But just know that, you know, for the sake of just being vegan and staying vegan, that the alternatives are going to be there. Yeah. And what I mean by this specifically is like things like um, vegan sausages and vegan pies and you can still eat hot chips. Um, you can still get pizzas. You can still get ice cream. You can eat chocolate. You can get Oreos. You can do all this. Like you can still eat a lot of these foods. Yes. And I think what a lot of people don't realize or may realize but don't really pay attention to is that your health actually depends on a lot of different factors. So it can include your genetics, what Michael just mentioned, which is what you were eating before as well, your sleep, your mental health, your physical activity, um, and what your current nutrient deficiencies already already might be, or chronic illness, cancer, whatever it is, Mm. that all will depend on where you're at in your journey. Mm. Neither of us... We're doing really blood tests before we became vegan that often. And now we definitely are because we're a little bit more aware of what we're consuming and where we might be lacking certain nutrients. Like my mum's a naturopath, so I have that slightly closer connection to that. Yes. Because she tells me she can sort of see, oh, you're low in iron or you're low in calcium or zinc or magnesium because I'm presenting those types of symptoms. And if you're like me and you don't absorb those uh, nutrients that well through natural forms, you might need supplementation. Yep. That's just one little aspect of you know, your health journey. We won't go into this, but just yep. to, to give you an understanding of, of all the different things that can play a role in how your health is and not just about diet. Yep. So, and we talk about being healthy and or lack thereof being healthy in episode 13 um which is titled does being vegan automatically make you healthy so we'll link to that in the show notes and i actually wrote a post about being a junk food vegan and michael wrote a post about the whole food plant-based diet so we'll um we'll link to those as well so that you can sort of get an overall view of what sits well with you yep so on top of that, the, the other thing that really frustrated me when I first became vegan is this conversation around supplementation. Mm. So, you know, before I was vegan, no one cared about how many nutrients I got. But as soon as I became vegan, that became a, a, a point of conversation mm. is, is making sure that I'm, you know, getting enough protein and calcium and B12 and things of that nature. So, and... and and I think the, the why I'm frustrated is that because I think everybody could probably benefit for, from some supplementation um, if you look at the deficiencies for any type of diet. And I think anyone should consider B12 or vitamin D. Uh, but it's definitely some things that you want to look into 
uh, when transitioning. Mm-hmm. Because generally, when you look at the statistics, there is a deficiency in some of, in in those vitamins. Um, I think vegan or not, it's definitely worth getting a blood test to see where you're deficient, so you can try and address that. Um, but just purely for you know, if you're concerned about going vegan and lacking nutrients, just know that I am historically incredibly lazy with taking supplementation, um, and it's definitely something I want to get better at. But uh, at the very, very least, uh, make sure you look into some B12 and, and vitamin D. Did you want to elaborate on any of that? I mean, B12 is the only one that you can't get from a vegan diet. Yep. So D3 or vitamin D comes from the sun. So if you spend more time in the sun, and I think also mushrooms have some vitamin D, if, if I'm correct. Maybe I'm not, but I have a feeling I've heard of sure. that before. So, And B12 is actually found in soil, but the soil is so depleted that even the animals that apparently we get the vitamin B12 from are also low and then they're injected with B12 supplements themselves. So I think, and B12 is a vitamin that actually takes a long time for it to show that you're depleted in and vice versa. It can take a long time for your body to build it up again. Right. So I think it's something that generally speaking, you know, just one spray a day in your mouth should do the trick. But with vitamin D, you just spend a little bit more time in the sun as well. Yeah. Obviously don't go out when it's in the middle of the day in the middle of summer to burn to a crisp, but just be sensible with sun exposure and, yep. you know, 30 minutes to an hour each day is very sufficient. Cool. So that's it, Marshall. I think that that's it for part one. How are you feeling? Is We've covered quite a lot. Yes. Yeah. Um, you can see why I wanted to break this up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, otherwise, it would have been a two or three hour long podcast. But um, look, just to, to summarize what we've discussed so far in part one, uh, we talked at length about establishing uh, the right mindset mm-hmm. for a vegan and lifestyle. Getting your why. Absolutely. Uh, then we also discussed the three different approaches to going vegan. So maybe picking one of those approaches that's best suited to your personality. Uh, then we talked about how to prepare vegan meals uh, as well as reading labels and some other tips there. And then finding the balance between uh, health and comfort when, tra- when transitioning. Yeah. So, you know, I hope this has helped you if you're thinking about going vegan, you've begun your vegan journey or you're in that transition phase. Uh, just some things that we've learned along the way uh, and we wish we knew when we first became vegan. Uh, but this, of course, is part one. Part two is going to be next week and we're going to more detail about four or five other topics. If you have any questions in the meantime, feel free to reach out to us on, on Instagram or you can email us directly at info at theminimalistvegan.com. Sounds good. Okay. Cool. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys. And hopefully you got something out of this episode. And as Michael said, tune in next week for part two. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. So there it is, guys. Episode 41 of the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. How to transition to a vegan lifestyle part one. You can find all the links to resources that we mentioned in this episode over at our show notes, which is theminimalistvegan.com slash 041. That's theminimalistvegan.com slash 041. Going to keep it nice and brief this week because, you know, we're going to get ready for part two of this series. Uh, And again, if you've got any questions, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or email, which is info at theminimalistvegan.com. 
And as always, if you haven't already, would love your feedback to leave an honest rating or review on whatever uh, app you use to listen to our podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you as always for your time and attention. We don't take it for granted. And here's to living with less stuff and more compassion. Peace.